Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Bike Pack Adventures podcast. Uh, today, my plan is to, to it was it was to do a ride cast and talk about the Canadian Shield XL, but I thought I'd kind of just go through the process of um, figuring out like what how to how to plan effectively and when to call it quits so yeah that's that's basically the plan so the canadian shield xl is a 1200 kilometer um, adventure that takes the rider through pretty large swath of western quebec from the Owaro forest in the just to the north of montreal which is kind of the eastern part of the route all the way up to mont laurier in the north otter lake in the west and chelsea quebec in the south and this route is tough so it's got an elevation elevation gain of approximately sixteen thousand meters that's uh, officially off of ride with gps but more realistically it's closer to twenty thousand. so it's it's pretty significant the route incorporates a lot of single track and forest roads as much as possible and a little bit of rail trail so there's a good hundred kilometer section of rail trail uh from mont tremblant basically la conception uh, up to Mont Laurier with a couple of detours onto some gravel. So yeah, effectively, um, lots and lots of climbing, hard on the legs, and uh, I was prepared for that. So I knew that uh, I knew that this was my chance to go and do it because it's it's hard to find uh, five six days where you can completely disengage from family life. Uh, especially when we have a daughter who's not yet in daycare. So that is starting in August, and uh, that means next year. Things will be a little different, but at the moment, my mother-in-law was here, and she was going to watch Jasmine, and she has been watching Jasmine all the time. And uh, so I got my wife's blessing to say, okay, you can go do an adventure before we have a family holiday and all that stuff. And, and uh, you know, that means they're stuck with the dog. They're stuck with the baby. They're, they've got everything going on, and I'm just riding my bike, so it's pretty sweet. Um, so it kind of worked out that this was the chance. It was basically now, not or never, but for this cycling season, this was the opportunity to go for uh, a multi-day adventure like that. Um, yeah, so basically, yeah, that, that's it for that. Anyways, um, talking about the setup of my bike, because my goal was to... I I, th- I figured I could get it done in five full days, possibly a little bit more, depending how my body handles things. And so I did pack as light as possible. And um, 
I did not use my um, handlebar race uh, bag, I guess you could call it, by restrap. Um, so I kept that empty, that space. Um, I just used my seat post bag. Uh, race. This is basically all the restrap race system stuff. My seat post bag, I had the e-bivvy, extra socks, a second pair of bib shorts, an extra shirt, rain jacket, rain pants, and water filter. So that was kind of stuffed in there. It was pretty packed, but the good thing is that little bag, it's, it only holds seven liters. And once it's packed and it's strapped in and it's all cinched down, it's pretty stable. It doesn't really flop around at all. So I, I really like that bag for the fact that it is so stable. Um, my rain jacket, the Montan Inpay waterproof cycling jacket. It's really comfortable. Um, I didn't wear it. Actually, I did wear it once. The, anyways, I'll get to that. But uh, it was just kind of cool at night. Um, but it doesn't pack as small as some of the Gore-Tex jackets out there. But, you know, you make do with what you have. And it's a pretty good jacket. It's a, It's got some, you know, it's really innovative features that I like. So it's good. The race top two bag, I have the long version. So in the, towards the seat part of it, I had the sunscreen and chamois cream, two little bottles. And that was kind of, I could, I could reverse zip the zipper and then access those without kind of moving everything around. Then I had a power, a 10,000 milliamp power bank that was uh, constantly attached to the dynamo. And from there I would uh, charge devices as needed. Inside there, I think I also had some uh, little beef jerky snacks that I got at uh, Sports Check for like 77 cents each. They were on sale. They were wicked. I bought a bunch of them. And of course, uh, Scratch Labs hydration mix, uh, single-use packs. I had a few of those in there for quick access. Um, in the side mesh of the pocket, I also had some caffeine pills. And I think I had a few little uh, cables and stuff, uh, various various charging cables tucked up near the front of the bag um, underneath the lip so like they're, they're not at risk of falling out when I open it for other things. In the uh, long race frame bag, so it's kind of a partial frame bag, um, at the back part I had spare tube and a couple bags of maple syrup. Now the way I do it is I use those uh, kitty food bags, you know, for freezing kids gruel. Um, and I fill them up with maple syrup and that's what I use. And it's, I think those things hold about eight ounces each. So it's a good, decent amount of maple syrup. And, um, I calculated it, the maple syrup in that it's like 600 calories per bag, roughly. So it's, uh, it's pretty sweet. Um, no pun intended. And, uh, definitely, definitely like my maple syrup. On top of that, I had in the front part, I had the K-Lite USB charger. So that's where it was, it was feeding through from there and then up to the top tube bag. Uh, I also had some snacks in there, just a few, a couple of beef jerkies and mostly beef jerky kicking around because I had bought a bunch of it. And um, Scratch Labs Super Fuel. So I mixed, uh, I pre, I didn't mix, I pre-packaged three packs of uh, 460 calories of uh, Super Fuel so that I could, um, you know, survive when things are dire and I'm running low on supplies. Um, although I did use most of it towards the beginning, I was keeping one bag as kind of an emergency thing. So that's kind of the idea there. Um, in the stem bags, I had the race stem bags. One of them, I had uh, more stuff just for taking care of the bike. So chain wax, 
chain wax cleaner, insect repellent, bug bag bomb, travel cable lock, little things like that. As well as I could fit some candy and whatnot in there. I think I had a bag of candy stuffed on top of all of that. And in the second bag, I had a bunch of scratch hydration sports mixes, candy, a small knife uh, in the little mesh pocket on the outside. Um, and that was about it. I had three water bottles on the bike. One preloaded with super fuel, two preloaded with a uh, hydration mix. And then underneath the bike, I had my tool keg. So that was a... Uh, and then there, I think, I forget exactly what tools I had in there, but yeah, there was the tool keg. So yeah, the, um, so that's basically the setup. Um, planning for this ride was kind of the most challenging thing because I initially wanted to leave on the Tuesday, but of course that was right when a heat wave was starting. It was going to be like 38 degrees during the day Celsius, that is folks. And, um, I think there was going to be three days of this ridiculous heat. Um, two, three or th yeah, three, four days maybe. Um, I decided to wait a day and knowing I would, I think it was three, uh, knowing I'd still have two days of high, high heat levels. Um, the plan was to depart fairly early. I think at 6 a.m. was my initial goal, but it kind of got pushed to seven. And uh, with that, you know, quickly making plans in my head as I go. I knew I'd make it to Wakefield by 9 a.m. I could uh, eat some eat something there, have a coffee, whatnot, and then continue on to Mont Saint Marie on the single track uh, to take on the single track during the kind of the hottest part of the day. So um, getting in the woods out of the sun really, really, really helps. So um, I had already experienced that on the way to Gatineau uh, to, to Wakefield. And I knew that if I got to Mont Saint Marie by, you know, one o'clock or so, I could do the next couple hours in the forest and be pretty comfortable. Um, still hot, still need to take breaks. I, I even had a swim. Um, but overall, that would be the, the optimal positioning, uh, the optimal place to, to go and hide. Um, all the things didn't go as planned, of course. So from there, my plan was to leave Mont Saint-Marie and aim for Notre-Dame de Laos and resupply before everything closes, ride through Papineau-le-Bel overnight, get to Mont-Tremblant the next day. Um, by the time it gets towards the hottest part of the day, I could rest for a few hours, um, rest out the heat, you know? And then towards late afternoon, early evening, ride the single track sections near Tremblant and make my way towards Forest URO. And... Um, yeah, so that was kind of the plan, and it was it actually made sense. It got me through a lot of the hard parts um, while it was, you know, I'm in the forest while it's hot, and, um, you know, and then avoiding the heat, hottest part of the days. So that was uh, that was pretty good. Unfortunately, on uh, the single track section in Mont Saint Marie, as you go around, um, it's not Lac Saint Marie. It's uh, I forget the name of the lake, but Lac Simon or something like that. Um, at one point in there, I lost my tool keg. It fell out of the bottle cage, and I didn't notice until I got to the end of that section before climbing the Tower of Power. I was like, oh, no, where's my tools? And so I had to make a decision. Um, I had to make a decision whether I go, um, whether I take Upper Ridgeback Connector, which is a, kind of like a service road, and then re-ride the whole route through that around lack around the lake uh and keep an eye and go slow and look at where spots are where it might bounce out um 
And alternatively, it would be to ride it in reverse because where spots that you might go fast, you'd be going uphill because you're usually going downhill at those spots. And, you know, you'd be going slower so you could actually pay attention. So I, I chose to do it uh, in the same order. Rode up a Ridgeback connector. Um, and after an hour and a half of riding slow and keeping an eye out for my bottle, I found it on the last 100 meters of Cookies Climb, just close to where I bypassed Cookies Climb on Upper Ridgeback. And that sucked. But although I, I did get to just spend more time in the woods out of the sun, um, it was definitely not the plan. And it really knocked uh, my timings off big time, which is fine. You have to accommodate for those things. Um, Tower of Power went really well. The single track sections down went awesome. Uh, Growler was closed, I think, because of the rain previously, um, a couple days earlier. And so I took a Radio Tower Road down, which is actually the, the as I've updated this route to include it that way, so that, because um, Growler's quite tough and uh, not to be taken lightly, uh, people will then have the opportunity to ride Growler if they want, but the safe route is to take Radio Tower Road, which is pretty chunky, soft gravel, and a chunky gravel, so it's can't go flying on it. So, um, some of the considerations I had to keep in mind was the heat. Uh, the heat was number one, and I kind of planned my things around that. Uh, the second big one that always gets me is chafing. Um, I don't think I've ever done an event and not had chafing, so... You know, it's constant. It's a constant battle to find the right bike seat and the right bibs. <clears throat> um, the past couple of years, I've been using some seven mesh bibs, and I was getting chafing. And uh, recently, Montan has come on as a sponsor of the podcast, Montan Sports Canada, that is. And I've been using a set of their cargo bibs, and I did a 250k ride with Megan while she was here, and I was perfect. I was so impressed. I was so happy. So. I, I felt good going into this with these bib shorts. Um, the big unknown is my um, Brooks C17 saddle. Um, I had previously had experience where it chased me right down the right down the center line, let's say. And I have ordered a new saddle, just hasn't come in yet, uh, or hadn't come in yet at the time. So I was. Uh, stuck in a decision whether I used a B17 or the C17, but since I had a really great ride with Megan that time, I decided to stick with the C17, although it turned out to be the wrong decision. So, um, it is what it is. Uh, sleep is another consideration. Now, when you're in full racing mode, you sleep very, very little, but, you know, it's, it's, Before continuing on with the show, I'd like to thank Panorama Cycles for sponsoring this podcast. Panorama Cycles is a bicycle manufacturer in Quebec, Canada, dedicated to backcountry cyclists that prefer gravel, snow, and off-road trails. They believe cycling is a catalyst for adventures of all sizes, and that there's no need to travel across the world or to be a seasoned athlete to live epic outdoor adventures. Over the past year, I've been riding the Chick Shocks Fat Bike, the Catadan Gravel Bike, and the Taiga Mountain Bike. From everyday rides, bikepacking trips, and a multitude of races and events, these bikes have put a huge smile on my face every step of the way, while also getting me on the podium on the Wendigo Ultra Fat Bike Race and helped me set an FKT on the Canadian Shield 400. In partnering up with the Bikepack Adventures podcast, Panorama Cycles also wants to give back to the cycling community, particularly you, the listeners of the podcast. By using the promo code BPA10 when purchasing a new bike from PanoramaCycles.com, you'll save 10%. 
For more information on their environmental commitments or to check out their bikes, head to panoramacycles.com. Now back to the show. It's hard to put yourself in full racing mode on an ITT when there's no record to beat. So I decided I was going to sleep, you know, probably three hours a day or three to four hours of sleep slash rest. So I might split it up. I might be one shot. Um, that was kind of the idea and keep my body better. Let it have time to, to recover and heal and stuff as well, especially if it's super hot out. Uh, resupply, super important to reach certain places before um, nightfall. So the whole idea of reaching uh, Notre Dame de Laos before hitting Papineau Labelle. Not really critical, but it's it is a convenience, right? You can buy some snacks and stuff. I did have maple syrup, and I had beef jerkies in my bag, and I had super uh, scratch lab super fuel. So I had lots and lots of opportunities and and options for food, but uh, at the same time, like I kind of wanted to get in there and get a Pepsi and stuff. But that all got uh, knocked out of whack when I had to go looking for my bottle, so uh, my my tool keg. So unfortunately, that's the way it goes. Um, I had kept one bag of carbs, which is 460 calories, and the two bags of maple syrups, syrup uh, for the night, that first night, if I needed it. And um, I also had some emergency candy, which you can never go wrong with candy. Uh, one other thing I failed to take into consideration, and I thought I'd make note of it here, is allergies. I kind of thought my allergy season was over, but due to the extreme heat and high humidity, all of a sudden, I noticed that my... All right, so one of the... As I was saying, sorry, my dog started barking. One of the considerations I forgot to take into account was my allergies. I thought the season was pretty much over, but I hadn't uh, considered the fact that super high heat days with really, really humid days uh, would just kind of flare everything up again. And as I was riding, I only brought uh, clear lenses with me because I knew I'd be riding at night a lot. And... Um, the glare on the road with my, my eyes all puffy and swollen and watering. I, I could hardly see out of one of my eyes, my left eye, actually. Um, it was everything I could do to keep riding. I was riding with my eye closed uh, that last 20 kilometers before reaching Mont Saint-Marie, um, knowing that I just needed to, that eye was burning, it was like salt sweat was getting in there. It was everything that could be, it was horrible. Um and so I forgot to take that into consideration, and even the uh, allergy pills I had were not really helping at that point. So that was something I should have planned differently. Um, definitely, final thoughts on those things is I should have uh, not started the the adventure in the middle of a heat wave when my allergies were flaring up. But um, it is what it is. So. I, I did leave home at slightly after 7 or around 7 o'clock, as I mentioned. I uh, got to Wakefield. Everything was very good. I should have drank two full bottles of water in that first two hours instead of one just to, to be even more hydrated. But I didn't. Uh, I had one bottle, which is fine. I mean, it's not the end of the world. It's still early in the event. Um, it was super hot on the ride up to Mont Saint-Marie. I had to take a few little breaks and stuff. And it was okay as long as you were always moving. So as soon as you stopped, it was wicked hot. Um, you could stop in shade. At that point, there were no horse flies. That was great. Um, I did uh, refill my water at Denholm Town Hall. So I was running low by then. and But I knew that I could refill there and their water's potable. So it's perfect. Um, 
And then I noticed at the Mont Saint Marie Chalet, there's a bathroom access, and I was able to fill up water there, so it was good. Um, yeah, I already talked about the tool keg, which really pissed me off. That was that was a pretty shitty moment. Um, as I mentioned, I wasn't too demoralized. It was really hot out, and trail riding was way more comfortable than roads, and uh, it just took time and uh, probably gave me that much more of a beating on the butt. And say la vie, right? Um, on the way out of Mont Saint Marie, I stopped at Chez Mallow for food. So it's a it's it's a sports bar. Um, on the way into Mont Saint Marie, and it's right on the route, so it worked out really perfectly. And I stopped for about an hour, chugged a lot of water, had a big ass burger and fries. It felt really good. It was hard to get riding again after, of course, after you eat a big meal, but it didn't take long to get in the swing of things. And I got to Notre Dame de Laos at 10.45 p.m. So realistically, that whole extra ride I did because of my tool keg, it was exactly the the time that killed me um, to get there earlier. Now, I had two options. One was to keep riding and uh, just keep going overnight or to rest a little bit. I decided to take a bit of a rest to have a sleep for an hour and a half. So I decided to have a sleep for an hour and a half. And I... Um, I just kind of put myself out in that little park there and it was really comfortable actually. I slept really well. I wore my helmet so because I didn't have a pillow so it kind of kept my head off the ground a little bit and it was super, super cozy on my back actually. I'm not a big back sleeper but I slept well. Um, when I woke up though, I found I could hardly sit down. The chafing had really flared up while I was resting. Somebody had asked me, did you change your shorts first? I said, no, I probably should have but I didn't. Um, so they were probably damp and stuff from cycling and they just kind of reacted with my sore butt as it was already. Um, I did notice that the chafing was worse than typically what I would have in a 175 K of riding. Um, I presume it was mostly due to the high levels of heat. Um, it's imagine just like sitting in a bathtub for an hour. So because it was so hot, you're sweating extra and, you're just, uh, you know, you're tenderizing your butt a bit more, I guess. So, um, yeah, that's my guess. My guess is the heat, and because of that heat, bacteria also forms faster, and it all kind of reacts a little bit quicker. So, definitely looking forward to getting the new seat, because that was that point at which I decided to call it a ride. Not a ride, per se, completely. I would still have to ride back to Wakefield, which was, I think, 85 kilometers away. But I decided that, you know, doing another, I don't know, roughly 1,000 kilometers with bad chafing and knowing the trails and the bumps and everything to come, I just did not think I was going to be able to handle it. Um, if I was in a race where I had spent a bunch of money and flown to or driven across a province to and stuff, that would have been a different decision so um maybe it wasn't the right call but i just didn't uh i didn't imagine how i could handle the next day's 40 degree heat 38 degree heat um with chafing while things are getting worse and worse um so definitely something to plan out you know one person messaged me and they said they use a they use foot powder and that brought me back to my army days we used to use gold bonds a lot uh down our pants um just to alleviate pain and chafing and keep things dry, right? Now, with a big padded short thing like that, I don't think it's necessarily the best way to do it. But um, if I were to be using a 
the Brooks B17 and just merino underwear and bike shorts. That might be actually a, a very, very good way to take care of that. Um, something to consider. I'm still going to do some more experimenting and figure out what works best for me. Um, yeah, so even on the ride home, I decided to beeline it, um, as I mentioned, 85 kilometers. Um, even on that ride, there were moments where I thought, you know what, like I can, I could have handled it. You know, my butt's feeling okay. But then I realized I'm riding on a paved road and it's super smooth and my I'm out of position and I'm, you know, putting pressures on my knees and stuff in different places because of body positioning. Um, I don't think I would have. I think if I'd have kept going, I would have just been further from home. I'd have been through Papino Labelle, or God unfor- un- unwillingly uh, stuck in the middle of Papino Labelle when I decided to pull the plug. And it's really hard to reach people in there. So um, I decided to do it ahead of time. And, uh, you know, it's always a little bit depressing, a little bit hard thoughts. But I think this time it wasn't uh it wasn't the same as like when i lost my phone on the bt700 and i had to make that tough call um this was more just you know health um really really hot out i don't know how to handle it the next two days i was sort of a very bad idea to probably start in the first place if i would have pushed it to the friday for instance um saturday sunday were better monday tuesday i would have been really pushing it to get home before we go on a family holiday so i don't think it would have worked as well i think it had to be then or later uh next year so yeah unfortunately that is it um yeah so final thoughts on this whole thing the canadian shield xl 1200 kilometer adventure will continue to be a goal that i have for early 2024 that's uh my new plan um i do want to get a full ride of it it just takes time and it's definitely one of those harder things to manage and um, it requires me to have my wife on board to uh, drive the baby to daycare and pick her up and manage a dog and all that stuff too. So uh, logistically, it's a little bit challenging. <clears throat> Planning for five days, I think was doable, but realistically with that heat and stuff, it might have taken me six Um yeah, a little bit difficult to maintain a mental focus when you're not actively engaged in a race. So um, in an event like this where, you know, I there was no time to beat and all these things, um, it's a little harder to stay mentally focused. But I think I was doing really well until my ass exploded. <clears throat> no pun intended. Um, yeah, and... Well, the one good thing about having a route so close to home and having created it that way is that it's uh, it's always something you can access at any time. Um, as long as like the rest of the chess pieces fall into place, you can kind of make things work. And I'm really looking forward to getting my Panorama Taiga um, as it's going to have front suspension. And that will help reduce fatigue on my old wrists and uh, upper back and stuff, you know, so it's... I think it's going to be great. And I'm looking forward to riding that bike real bad. So that was, um, that was my ride. Now I know, I think I said, uh, about planning. I mean, it is, you can always plan. You can over plan. You probably can never plan enough in some ways. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what the answer is there. Over planning or not planning enough. Um, it's very, very planning can always go to shit. Um, just based off of what's going on in the environment, right? Yesterday, there was a tornado in Barhaven. Um, 
about 45 minutes away from here. Just touched down. I don't think it did too, too much damage. I don't, I'm not really sure yet. Um, but you know, you could be planning a ride and you're like, yeah, there's going to be thunderstorms. I'll wait it out. But then a tornado comes and, or, you know, a whole bunch of trees on your route get knocked down. Everything can go, you know, based off of a, we can't control the environment. We can just control when we pick our times to ride. And I think that is where I made the wrong call and I should have, uh, pushed things a few days or just said, maybe I can just do a shorter route, you know? But I had my mind, I wanted to get the 1200. I wanted to do the 1200 and it was kind of like 1200 or bust and I busted. So, um, say la vie. I'm really looking forward to, to redemption on that route. It's, uh, it's definitely a challenge. It's, it's much more than a, I mean, it's not a gravel bike ride. Although Vincent Nadon rode the Canadian Shield bikepacking route, the 900 kilometer main route um, on a gravel bike. And I was mighty impressed, but I think he would have been faster with a drop bar mountain bike or a mountain bike. Um, he would have been able to handle some sections easier and had less fatigue. But that's my thoughts. It's hard to say. I haven't had a talk with him yet to discuss it in detail. So anyways, on that note, thank you so much for listening. I know I just kind of blabbed on a little bit, but I kind of wanted to get this out and uh, it gives me a place to, to store these memories and to to listen to in the future before I do something again and to, to make accommodations ahead of time and uh, add it to my own repertoire of planning and preparation. So on that note, Peace out. Have a great day and keep on pedaling. Bye-bye. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling.